1: I
0: just slipped so far. HopeNet Radio. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. That's right. It's a show where conversations save lives. It's HopeNet
1: Radio. Jeff and DW your hosts tonight. Glad that you've joined us. Join the conversation on Facebook and Twitter tonight at HopeNet360 and email us. Anytime on the show at Hope at Hopenet360.com. So, guys, good to be with you guys again tonight. Great week, and uh, heard so many different stories from you guys this last week on the show. DW, Todd in the studio with us tonight. How's it going, guys? Hey, great. great. Good
0: to be here.
3: Good. It's good to be here. And and, and I hope that uh, those people listening to us, our, our family, our HopeNet family, uh, is really spreading the word out there for uh, the podcast. Because I think a lot of people can benefit from various things we talk about. And and sometimes they're just not around the radio. And so we encourage you to uh, take the information to people. Get the podcast yourself and put it on a thumb drive and go give it away or whatever else you need to do. But we encourage you to help those out that uh, are around you that are struggling with hope. We want to give real hope. If you
1: guys do subscribe on iTunes, make sure you do leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. Also, email us. Um, you know, sometimes it depends on the weeks, what we're talking about, but there are some weeks where we don't get any emails from you guys because I think the conversation gets to that deep level. So we would really love to hear from you guys, especially during the summer. You guys don't have an excuse now. You don't have homework necessarily. Uh, unless you're doing summer school or you're doing something else, but you have some more discretionary time of what you're doing. So we hope that you would connect with us on our Facebook page. HopeNet360 is where it's at. Or if you're on Twitter, you can meet us at Twitter uh, at HopeNet360. Use the hashtag HNR if you want to. Uh, either way, we'd love to hear from you guys and get your thoughts on the show because again, this is a show where conversations save lives, and you're a big piece of what, why we do this show. And especially if you have questions, if you have some thoughts to share, or some topics, some ideas, and what we can. Talk about. We would definitely love to hear from you guys about that. So email us anytime. Hope at hopenet360 dot com. So Dave, it's June. It's a busy month, uh, especially around HopeNet three hundred and sixty. We're getting ready for the golf scramble okay. on June twenty
3: seventh. So people, tell can... me about that. What what is the golf scramble? How does that work? If people want to get involved, what do they do?
1: Yeah, scramble for hope is June twenty seventh, and it's going to be in Sherwood, Wisconsin, Sherwood Forest Golf Course. And the website, HopeNet360.com slash golf, is where you can register, you can find information, and maybe you don't golf, but you know somebody who does, invite them to go, or if you own a business or something, you sponsor one of the holes and be a hole sponsor. And so, lots of different ways to get involved. You can also be on the Scramble Street team. That's for those who don't like to golf or can't golf. Uh, but want to help raise funds for the ministry of HopeNet360, um, which really does come to this show, really, so that we can do the radio show, the podcast, uh, so we can get out and do QPR, suicide prevention training in the community, uh, a lot of different things that we're doing this year. Um, we need you guys to be a part of it and to help us continue to go strong. So uh, all that's at hopenet com slash golf. It's a nine-hole scramble. Going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Jarrett Bush from the Packers is going to be there, so uh, it's going to be just a fun day.
3: Great, I'm. I'm going to be there, and I'm not a golfer, so I'm. I'm going to be harassing those of you that are, or something, or giving you tips. Yes. I, I'm going to. I'm going to start looking on the internet for tips, and I will. Uh, I will watch you carefully and give you tips so you can be a better golfer at the end of the day.
1: That's exactly. Dave's going to give golf tips. That's how that's I think right. that's how we're going to market
3: this thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been golfing twice.
1: <laughs> yes, you have. Yeah, and you figured out how
3: to tie your shoes. I did. Yep. Yeah, both <laughs> those things. Yeah. I know how to, you know, it was really funny. I went to, uh, uh, I was speaking in Arizona, and in Arizona, you have to golf. I mean, that's part of what they do. Oh, yeah. And so we went golfing, and they had to give me a shirt and everything, because you got to dress right. I didn't know that. You got to dress right to golf. And uh, I know all of you that are golfers are dying out there thinking, oh, brother, this guy. But, you know, first time, I grabbed the golf club like a baseball bat, and I hit it. Man, it went like 150 yards right down the green. And, And I thought, this is easy. What is this sport? Yeah, and uh, my first three holes, it was like I, I I was under par in all of them, and I just it was unbelievable. And then I fell apart. It was yeah. like <laughs> by the end of the thing, I was I couldn't I couldn't get the ball to stay on the green. I mean, it was uh, just I mean, not the green, whatever you call it, the fairway or you know the green grass. <laughs> yeah, whatever not you the call woods. All that green. Yeah, spot. the green stuff. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and this is this is the golf outing for you too if you're not a great golfer because it's a scramble. So what that means is you have a team of four people and you play the best shot. So if someone's really great at driving. They crank the ball way down the fairway, and you get a good shot there. Someone who's decent at chipping or putting, you know, we all have a different role to play. So Somebody you could. Somebody
3: gifted at throwing the ball in and cheating?
1: <laughs> uh, not necessarily, unless you're picking it out of the water. Okay. <laughs> if all right. you all, all right. land in the water, I, I don't know.
3: You. I was just testing you. To see <laughs> yeah. If yeah.
1: Anyway, so check out Hopenet360.com slash golf, and uh, be a part of Scramble for Hope. We'd love to have you there, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, tonight on the show... You know, honestly, in the last couple of weeks, I've been reading some really disturbing headlines, more or less... One of the reasons we do this show is to talk about issues that are going on in youth culture, in our young adult culture, maybe our college culture a little bit, what's happening within parents' world, and we'll have different guests on the show, we'll have different perspectives. Um, More from a Christian standpoint, we really do want to focus on what truth is, because in this world, there's so many mixed messages, and when we were putting together the framework of what this show is going to be, I went out on on iTunes, I went out on YouTube, and I looked at different popular voices that were out there that our young people are listening to, that our college people are listening to. And I'm not going to say that I'm going to surpass them or we're going to surpass them with this show and being a voice. But there are so many different voices out there that are trying to give some semblance of what truth is. Some trying to make it really fun and catchy and, and not so much about truth. They just make it about what they're doing and their party scene, their party life. And there are some that are just really Some shows, some of the podcasts that I've listened to and that I've looked at, they give such terrible advice to our young people. And we're not going to be perfect on this show, but we really do want to bring some clarity to a lot of contemporary issues, what's going on, kind of these different age brackets, if you will. So our teens are at different places, some of the stuff they're struggling with, the advent of technology, the information age. I kind of call them the I generation because there's so many... It's not just information, it's, you know, it's also the, the devices that are available, just the amount of information that's really at our fingertips these days. And there are so many headlines just recently that, to me, they've just been grabbing my attention in so many ways, in, in ways that just make my heart hurt especially for the youth culture. Now, Dave, you and I have really been involved in mentoring young people through years. You have quite a number of years ahead of me on that. And and so I glean a lot of your wisdom and and your knowledge, understanding of what uh, youth are are going through, your experience, um, how to mentor somebody in the way that they should go. And uh, myself too, I really feel burden for our young people and our generation today um, who have to filter through so many different voices and to find out what truth is. And it's become complicated today, hasn't it?
3: Yeah. You know what? And it, and it really doesn't need to be that much. When, when I was teaching fifth grade, I used to uh, actually ask my fifth grade students to do an assignment. And, and one of the assignments was, I want you to, to come back and, and figure out how we know what truth is. Hmm. I mean, that was one of the assignments. And, and really, it was kind of interesting to listen to them. You know, uh, some of them would begin to believe that truth came from the Supreme Court. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? If they say something, it's the way it is. Or laws. That was popular. Yep. You know, if it's a law, it's got to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, popular opinion, truth. I mean, we vote yeah. and, and, and the consensus of people is truth. Or, you know, one would come back and say, well, my mo- whatever my mom says is true. You know, and, and, and again, I'm not going to disrespect that. I'm just saying that that was the opinion. Yeah. And what's interesting to me is that it's a fundamental issue that all of our listeners need to deal with and everybody in the world needs to deal with. If there is a truth, then we need to know what it is. Mm-hmm. And if there is a truth, then we need to respond to the truth, not make it up, not twist it, not change it. We must have a mechanism in place to discover whether we are just trying to defend the way we believe. Mm -hmm. You've heard me say this before, Jeff. So many of us live in a belief system and a faith system, but not a truth system. Mm -hmm. In other words, we believe in something. And just because we believe in it, we say, well, I just believe in that. Well, what if you believe a lie? Mm -hmm. That's my question. I think what we're going to do in today's, uh, tonight's program is going to be very special for people as they think about it. We want to be able to start looking at some things that just are things that you have to respond to. Mm-hmm. And and we want to encourage our listeners to put within their lives a mechanism that they can evaluate what truth really is. Um, I mean, I, I can ask Todd the question, Todd, What what is it in life that you look at? How do you know what's true and what isn't?
2: Well, it should be based on the Bible, okay? Um, and that's a lot of our culture wants to base it on our culture and what the media says and all that. But um, over the years, it's been you know proving the Bible is. It.
3: But is that just easier said than done? Though I think that's what we have to talk about. I mean, is it easy to just throw out that phrase? It should come from the Bible.
2: Yes, because again, our culture is all we see, and are involved in really, and to be completely submersed in culture well that's going to be you know you talk about your hours of influence well that's going to dictate a lot of what you think about different things so if you're in the word and submerged in the word more that's going to be well you're going to look at that as your source of truth we have to talk
3: more about that yeah
1: and and this is going to be one of those shows that i think you're going to want to stay connected to and remember if you miss any part of the show you can always go back and listen later on the podcast of course if you're going through something tonight and you need to chat with somebody there are live coaches right now available to talk to at hopenet360. dot 360.com just click on the talk to a live coach we'll be back with more here on HopeNet radio
0: Are you hurting? Stressed out? Need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at Hopenet360.com. This is Hopenet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to the show. Jeff
1: and D.W., your host tonight, talking about some difficult things in life, especially where uh, some of our youth culture and our adult culture is going and talking about a, a few different headlines. And like I was saying, there were some headlines in the last few weeks. You know, we saw a high school student who ran through the halls of his school and took a knife to a bunch of his classmates, people in the school. And it again, it changed the course of some of their lives in different ways. It definitely changed the course of his life for a long time. There's so many, we always hear these bad news stories, but the reality is, is here on the show, we're hoping that something that we say, something we do, something opens the door for a conversation that's going to save a life. And it's not only from a death, from, you know, doing something that to yourself would be destructive and costing your life, but even having to be locked up for many years. You know, there's just a reality that there are so many young men out there that um, are one angry motive away from doing something that completely changes their life. And if we can inspire a conversation to happen to where you can find hope and find answers for those questions that you have in life, it's going to save lives. And, Dave, i got to admit, it's seeing, this, seeing this headline uh, in the last week has really just – it shocked me again. It just shows me that there are so many young men out there today – who are living in a fantasy world. They're living in a world that doesn't exist. It's not intended to be this way. And this young man named Elliot, um, who near the University of California in Santa Barbara, went on a shooting spree. And this 22-year-old man, uh, now deceased, and people whom he may or may not have ever known, who lost their lives in something, again, it's a world that he was living in, and we want to talk a little bit about this because it's it's one of those things that's it's in headlines. And I think there are a lot of young men who are living lives in quiet desperation and they're not opening up and talking about these things. And I kind of was interested in what your take was on this story when you first heard this news.
3: You know, when I first heard it, I thought again, oh, my goodness. The the tragedy that our nation has to endure because we are not understanding that ideas have consequences. Mm-hmm. I remember, again, watching the general or whoever he was before Congress, and and they were yelling at him because of the sex scandals in Congress. And he basically looked back at him and said, you know what, I'm working with who you give me. The nation has trouble with this. Mm -hmm. So the military looks like this. And, you know, the people of Congress got really upset with him. I'm thinking that was a sensible statement. You know, we as a people do not want to deal with the degeneracy that we have in our culture. And because we don't want to deal with it, we want to normalize it. Yeah, and really, this is what normalization of deviant behavior looks like. Hmm. So this is what we get for that. You know, I'm, let me let me just throw a couple things by you guys, uh, whether it be Todd or Jeff. Popular video games or whatever they're called now, computer games. Yeah. Uh, are there any violent ones out there that are popular? Tons. What happens in those games?
2: People kill other people.
3: Is it is it graphic? Very graphic and so so there are young people that are are pulling triggers and and blasting people away on a regular basis in a game.
1: Oh, yeah, but it's all fantasy though,
3: yeah and and again, ideas have consequences and and as as we continue to have hours of influence now, I remember once, and I don't know if we talked about many uh, weeks ago, but I remember once walking in on a, on some fathers and sons, and it was actually Thanksgiving, and they were playing this this computer game. And I had never seen anything so realistic in my life where blood was splattering, people were dying, people were screaming, I'm thinking, hmm. "This cannot be good. Yeah. You, you cannot. Now, I can picture somebody playing that game and, and then saying, "I can do that. Mm-hmm. You know my, people bug me. this is what I can do to them." And it, I, so you know, sometimes we forget that there are ways that things are actually meant to be. Mm-hmm. And when we want to pretend that there are no ways. When we don't have an authority, in the last segment we were talking about the assignment I gave my fifth graders years ago to go and find truth. Where do we find truth? See, if we want to make it all up, then what happens is we get results like this. Mm-hmm. But there is a truth out there. And and we need to figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. And for those of us, and, and Todd was talking about that, he says he, he will use the Bible as a, as a, a way to check out truth. Uh, you know, and my, my uh, question really, to you, Todd, then is, okay, that's a great answer, and that's the right answer, but is that really taking place in people who grew up in the church? Do they really go to the Bible? Like, they're going to a movie tonight. Somebody's going to a movie tonight. Do they really take the Bible out and check out to see what it says for the standards of the movie, and then either go or not go because of what God's Word says?
2: I don't think that's happening a lot. No. I mean, I don't really see that happening with a lot of my friends and things like that. So
3: why isn't it happening? Because you you were very quick to tell me that it's it's the Bible, I have to check on truth. Mm-hmm. Why isn't it happening?
2: Because I think a lot of a lot of my generation and you know a lot of people in general um are very quick to give Sunday school answers and just say, you know, Jesus God love, it's the answer for everything. But there's that disconnect between the heart and the brain. Like it doesn't go People don't live on what they know is true because they don't, you know, think about the consequences like we were talking about. So,
1: Todd, in the break, you were talking about this person that you had met or talked to, or a story that you had heard of about this barn and some arrows. Could you just share that story? Because it it really triggered a thought in my head when you were talking about that.
2: Yeah. um, Well, I just heard the story about this guy who was driving along one day and um, he passed this barn and he saw all these. Arrows in the side of the barn that were shot into these targets. And it was a perfect bullseye, every single one. And he was like, he had to stop and ask the guy who lived there, he's like, You are a good shot. How did you get so good to get every single one of those arrows in the bullseye? And the guy simply said, Oh, I just shot him into the barn and painted the bullseye afterwards. <laughs> and so, you know, <laughs> he's making it appear like he's doing
1: well when really he's aiming for nothing. You know, this is a perfect picture of what moral relativism really is. And what I think our culture has done, instead of going and training and working and practicing at shooting these arrows and hitting the target 10 times out of 10 times, instead of teaching people how to shoot an arrow and how to aim it accurately and how to continually hit your target, we've instead taught people how to just shoot an arrow aimlessly wherever it falls and then to go and spray paint perfect lines that are exactly centering that arrow on what it is. And so what you end up in life with in this picture is that you have people who live in such a way as that where they shoot a target, they start they aim their, their arrow in the direction that they think is right and it feels good and they shoot it and it lands and then they paint their life around this choice they've made and normalize it just like what you were talking about, Dave. And this is a perfect picture of just exactly what's happening in our culture that when we get away from truth and we get, we get away from what the training really needs to be in, we start doing things like this in our own lives and this is really what you end up with.
3: Yeah, you know, not, not only that, there, there's really – in this room that – in our studio right now, there's a magnetic north. I mean, b- because of all the equipment running, that kind of thing, if we put out a compass right now, it'd be a little off. And it, it wouldn't be off on purpose. It's magnetic north. Mm-hmm. There's a magnetic north, and then there's a true north. The true north, it, you know, is something that takes place apart from all of the influences in the room. And and if you set your life course up on a magnetic north, you will never hit north mm-hmm. because you're going to be a little bit off. Yeah. And, and if you – so what it does is it takes a little bit more of an effort. Now – in our life, I think that's what's happening in many respects. We have young men like this guy who killed a bunch of people and others who basically are off on what they believe. I mean, they're, they're really not understanding how life's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy that, that shot people, I want to guarantee you something. He probably had hours and hours and hours of absorbing things that were not true. And, and then he started to think that he was on the outside looking in. Because yes. that's what happens, yep. and when you're on the outside looking in, you think, "Boy, nobody's like this. Nobody's a, a virgin when they're in college, and nobody has never kissed a girl when they're in college, and that kind of thing." And you know what? You know what? He's wrong. There are a lot of people like that. Mm-hmm. But he believed he was the only one in the world, and not only that, he started to believe the lie that, well, it must be everybody else's problem, so I'll deal with everybody else. Mm-hmm. And and again, that's a lie. And we can talk about these things. You know, one of the most important things is, as we're thinking on this topic, that any listener can do right now is become a young person who basically, when you start thinking thoughts of I'm weird, I'm strange, I'm different, you need to find someone my age or Jeff's age or something like that and sit there and tell them that so that we can talk you through some different ideas from different perspectives and show you what God's word actually has to say about the way things are. Because one of Satan's oldest tricks is to make you feel like you're the only one, you are left out and everybody else is to blame. And that is not true. The end of that one will be disaster. And if you don't want to talk to somebody uh, like us, then you go to Hopenet360.com. There's live coaches waiting for you there. And and we encourage you, talk to them about what you're thinking. Don't just hold it in and, and try and start setting up a mechanism where you can find truth and start minimizing the lies.
1: Yeah. And I was recently listening to this guy by the name of Matt Chandler. He's a pastor of a, a rather large church, uh, but had some really, I thought they were just really poignant words. But and I, and I totally agree with this, too, that it's OK to not be OK in life, because I think when you have an environment where it's not OK to not be OK, that's where you start living in this world of where it's isolation. You can't talk about these things because they're going to judge me or they're going to make me feel bad about myself. No, that's totally false. That's what the enemy wants you to believe. We believe that conversations will save lives and there's nothing you can say that's going to shock us uh, to the point where we feel like you're just you're completely hopeless. So visit HopeNet360.com. Chat with the live coach tonight, anytime, whenever you're needing to discuss these things. And we'll be back with more here on HopeNet Radio.
0: We're connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives. HopeNet Radio on Q90FM. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. It's a show where
1: conversations save lives. It's HopeNet Radio. Jeff and DW, your hosts tonight. Todd in the studio with us. And, guys, we've been talking about a difficult topic, and... Before we go further, I always want to make sure that we're sensitive, especially when it comes to stories like this. We're reading a headline about a young man who took the lives of seven people in this last week. And we're recording this. And to me, it's I don't want to glorify. I don't want to glamorize the actions of this kid or memorialize what he did. This was a terrible thing. And the reason we're focusing a little bit on this tonight is because we realize that this isn't the only kid out there that's struggling with this stuff, who thinks that life is hopeless, that thinks that there are so many life ideals that need to happen by a certain age or a certain time or you know during a certain season of their life. And when it doesn't happen, they take matters into their own hands and go on a destructive rampage, essentially, and let their anger, let their hatred ruin not only their life, but someone else's life. And so tonight we really want to take a a moment to just talk about it, but to really bring a point of hope and where you can go to, to find hope, especially not if you're feeling necessarily those thoughts or those things inside, but how do you, when you encounter somebody who really does have some issues with anger, Who is going through stuff in life when things aren't going the way that he or she thought they were going to go. What do you do with that? Where do you go? How do you talk about these things? Well, that's what we're talking about on this show tonight. It's a show where conversations really do save lives. And there are live coaches right now at HopeNet360.com. If you need to talk to somebody, talk about stuff that's going on in life so hope to 360.com click on the talk to a live coach button guys interesting article that i came across this week of you know a couple of words that maybe they may not mean a whole lot to the average person who's listening but these words should and must how many things in our life do you find are things that we should do versus things that we must do do you think there's a difference in those
3: you know that's interesting um in my old age just thinking about it, right, I'm thinking. What's the difference between should and must? I mean, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know because if I should do it, I probably should do it. <laughs> uh, does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, if I should do it, uh, I, of course. Here, let's let's talk about something in in, in real simple terms. Um, I know that I should eat right. The truth of the matter is, I don't have to eat right. So that would be a should, but not a must. Yes. But let me ask you this, Jeff. If I choose not to eat right, does that mean that I'm not going to have the consequences of what I just chose. In other words, I'm not eating right today.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And, it, and it looks like I can eat like five bags of M&M's and not die. Oh, so, wow. I'm, so I'm going to eat five bags of M&M's. I couldn't do that. Yeah, let's say just, <laughs> I just did and I yeah. ate five bags of M&M's. I didn't die. Am I really doing something that I can do then or, or is this really stupid?
1: Uh, you could do it. I mean, it's definitely not a must.
3: But is it affecting me?
1: It's going to affect you if he, I mean, I don't know yeah. how your body see, can keep See, the, that the should
3: and must there. thing, I, I, I have some cardiac issues, some heart issues. And I was at my cardiologist, uh, for those of you who don't know what that is, that, that's the doctors that specialize in caring for the heart. And I was talking to him, and he said to me when we were talking about various things, we were actually talking about this show. And he said, um, yeah, you know, I, I see so many men today that are in their 50s that were strung out once on heroin and cocaine. Hmm. And, and I can tell immediately by looking at their heart that they have, they've, they've done these drugs. And and most of them, they are dead. I, I forget the words, so forgive me for not knowing all the medical terms. But he can't do anything for them. Mm-hmm. You know, basically, they destroyed their heart oh. while they were on drugs. And, and he looked at me and said, they didn't know they were doing it while they were doing it. But, but it, it happens that way. And that's when I heard you say there's must and should. Because yes. a bunch of people would say, well, I should not probably use heroin. Okay, that's, mm-hmm. that's a good idea. But I'm saying you must not, because if you do, there's going to be consequences and you cannot just push them away. I mean, you would like to think, uh, you know, we've talked about the Pinocchio principle. I really wish that when I ate something I shouldn't, I would immediately gain 10 pounds. Mm -hmm. You know, I I really do. I wish it would go boom right there. Like eat a a, a Twinkie, you know, and immediately there's this bulge in your stomach, the Twinkie size bigger. Mm -hmm. You know, you know what that would do to me? I would quit eating Twinkies yes, at that point. Yes. <laughs> because of the fact that it's immediate results. Yeah. Now, instead, I could eat a box of Twinkies and not have that bulge right, right away. But I'm telling you, it's going to be there. Yeah. And, and that's what we miss. It, we miss the idea. And so I, I love the question because I think people are actually thinking that way. There are things I should do, but there are things we must do. And I'm, I'm just wondering if, if the must and the should are the same thing. It's just uh, we kind of delay thinking about it in terms like we should.
2: I'm a little confused exactly about the should and must because we should eat healthy, but we don't have to, yeah. but we must eat. So yeah. I'm trying to figure out what exactly...
1: You know, should is kind of discretionary. I'll read their definition, but let's say climbing up a barn, you know, is not something I should do, but it's something that I'm invited to do and I've climbed up on top of a barn and I should maybe use some kind of restraint. I shouldn't jump up and down on this barn. I'm you know, way up high off the ground. I have nothing to really keep me from falling. And then I fall down and I land on the ground and I'm lying on the ground now, bleeding profusely. And I know this is kind of a, a grim story, but then the reality becomes what must I do to survive? And what must I do is to stop the bleeding. It moves from a should discretionary thing to a must, as in I have to do this now in order to survive. It, it's It's beyond the point of okay, this may or may not be a good idea. It's like, well, no, there's only one option now. So in this article that I've read, and it's it's by L Luna, and I'll post a link at dot 360com under the show post tonight. Uh, but it goes like this. It basically says there's two paths in life. And this isn't a Christian perspective by any means, so take it for what it's worth. But it says there are two paths in life, should and must. We arrive at this crossroads over and over again. Each time we get to choose – Should is how others want us to show up in the world, how we're supposed to think, what we ought to say, what we should or shouldn't do. It's the vast array of expectations, which Dave, you and I talk a lot about, that others layer upon us. When we choose should, the journey is smooth, the risk is small. Must is different. There aren't options and we don't have a choice. Must is who we are, what we believe, and what we do when we are alone with our truest, most authentic self. It's our instincts, our cravings, and longings, the things and places and ideas we burn for, the intuition that swells up from deep somewhere within us. Must is what happens when we stop conforming to other people's ideals and start connecting to our own. Because when we choose must, we are no longer looking for inspiration out there. Instead, we are listening to our calling from within. And so, again, I say it's not from a Christian perspective, but you know, your inner voice, I think it's the Holy Spirit. Um, but either way, there's a difference between what you should do and what you must do. And I think, Dave, this young man, Elliot, got to a point where he felt like instead of it, what he should do, he started to believe in this is what I must do. And it was. It seems like this is a huge choice that he made. But really, it's, I think it's more of yeah. a bunch of small decisions or small belief
3: patterns that he fell into and, and started to believe. Yeah, you know, I'd love to speak to the author of that article because there's some things that really trouble me as an old guy. Yeah. I mean, as an old teacher, what I used to do is I used to go to my classroom. Again, I taught fifth grade for, for several years. And, and I would tell them nobody can ever, I don't care what the circumstances is, nobody can ever take your choice away from mm-hmm. you. And, and what we're, what that article is saying, are things that are must, and what this guy did to kill people, maybe he moved to that, oh, I must do this. In other words, I don't have a choice anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I've heard people say that, you know, I don't have a choice. I, I need to go, you know, use drugs. I need to do that. Here's the, here's the truth of the matter. Everybody has choice and nobody can take it. You know, right now, if uh if you were to take a gun and put it to my head and say, Give me all your money or I'm gonna blow your brains out, I could say to you, No. Mm-hmm. I have a choice. Yeah. Blow my brains out. You know, that's my choice. To yes. pretend that I don't have one is foolishness. Yes. I do. I now do I want the consequences mm-hmm. of either one of them. Do I want my brains one out? No. Do I want you to take all my money? No. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily mm-hmm. like either of those consequences. Yeah. But to pretend that I don't have a choice is Is part of Satan's lie. That's Mm -hmm. just not how it works. Likewise, anywhere in area. I I mean, my kids used to come up to me and say, "Well, you got to pay taxes." I say, "No, you don't. You can go to jail." Well, then you got to go to jail. No, you don't. You can pay taxes. I mean, (laughs) see, (laughs) nobody can take your choice away from you. And I would just encourage our. There's someone listening to us today, Jeff. I I truly believe that saying, "I don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. All my choices are gone, and they're limited by other people. They're limited by God. They're limited. I don't have a choice." You're wrong. There will come a day where our choices are over, but not while you're alive.
1: And I think that where that comes in is sometimes doing the right thing or doing what I must do will actually cause me further pain before it will cause me pleasure. And so where you get some of these people who are very hooked on alcohol or drugs or something is this is a way to self-medicate. This is a way to escape the pain. It's not a healthy way to deal with it. It's just a way to escape it and to cover it, to mask it or to completely get away from it. And I think there's a difference between being motivated by pain and pleasure than you know, living in truth and doing what's right. So I think we need to unpack this quite a bit more when we come back here on the show. Remember, you can always chat with the live coach at HopeNet360.com. We would love to hear from you too on the show. What are your thoughts? Love to hear your thoughts on the article. Email us at Hope at HopeNet360.com or jump on Facebook and Twitter. We'll be back with more here on HopeNet Radio
0: feel like nobody cares. We do. HopeNet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at HopeNet360.com. Hey, what's up? It's Jeff from HopeNet
1: Radio. We all know that teen suicide is a dark reality in our communities. The numbers are sobering. Feelings of hopelessness and depression are very real in our youth and parents today. HopeNet 360 continues to be a beacon of hope in our communities through HopeNet radio show and podcast, educational seminars, the crisis chat line, and local hope-giving community resources. There's much more work to be done, which is exactly why I want to invite you to join me at Scramble for Hope 2014. Scramble for Hope 2014 tees off on Friday, June 27th at Sherwood Forest Golf Club in Sherwood, Wisconsin. Break out the clubs and play nine holes of golf with me. See if you can take the title for the longest drive or the longest putt, challenge the celebrity, and go for the hole-in-one. Go to Hopenet360.com to register for one of the shotgun start times. If you can't make it but wish to donate, you can do that there as well. Get your golf fix, learn about what Hopenet360 is doing to save lives from suicide in Northeast Wisconsin. Scramble for hope June 27th at Sherwood Forest Golf Club. That's Hopenet360.com slash golf. See you there.
0: It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Welcome back
1: to the show, the show where conversations save lives. It's HopeNet Radio. Jeff and D.W. with you, the second half of our show. If you missed the first half, you'll be able to go back and listen at HopeNet360.com. Just search for HopeNet Radio. All of our past shows are on our website, hopenet360.com, and on iTunes. Subscribe there. If you do subscribe on iTunes, make sure to leave us a review as well. Let us know what you think about the show. And uh, you can also email us anytime on the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Share your thoughts. You are part of this conversation, too, tonight. So we'd love to hear from you guys. We're hanging out on Facebook and Twitter as well at hopenet360. So, uh, DW, we've been kind of chatting about these Unfortunate stories, these really sad, tragic stories in our culture of people who allow their emotions, their feelings, and in a lot of ways, it's their belief system, their belief or faith structure um, dictate what they do in life. And we see time after time after time after time after time of these young people who do completely destructive things because their life isn't measuring up to their expectations or their standards. And uh, unfortunately, they hit a point where they're at their lowest point. And they make one of these decisions that not only impacts their life, but impacts the lives of so many other people. Could be permanently. It could be for a time. The story that we're kind of covering tonight is this UC Santa Barbara story of this young man named Elliot, who was 22 years old, had a belief system in what he expected from his life and where he would be at right now, particularly in dating and relationships. And he allowed his anger, his feelings, his emotions to then carry out an act that was so horrific, you know, in this community, um, that impacted people's lives, families that will now be forever different because of this young man's actions. And it's, it's truly tragic. And Todd, you had shared this analogy before, but talking about this barn, this story you heard of the guy with the barn Mm -hmm. and, uh, maybe just recap that a little bit. And then I want to hear your thoughts on some of what's normal in our culture for our young people. And, uh, and even some of your thoughts on the article that we read the last segment.
2: Okay, well, the story was just essentially this guy was driving through the country and he drove past this barn that had these targets painted on the side of the barn, and there was a perfect bullseye. There was an arrow in every single bullseye, just perfectly centered. And he was like, whoa, this guy's an amazing shot. I want to be able to do that. He stopped and asked him, how did you get so good to be able to get a bullseye every single time? And the guy who lived there just said, well, <laughs> I just shot arrows in the side of my barn and painted the, uh, the bullseye right around it to make it look like he shot it perfectly. And that's kind of how, you know, we approach a lot of things in life. You know, we don't really set actual goals for ourselves. And if you aim at nothing, you're sure to hit it. And so you make it look like you're doing something good when you're not really doing anything. And I think that's a lot of how our culture handles a lot of things. We create normals and things that are socially acceptable or quote-unquote expected. And um, I wanted to ask you, Dave, about that because I know we went through um, your class here at Nicolay Bible Institute. And there's a big difference between the normal that our culture creates and truth. And that's... Um, we talked about the difference between ethics and morals.
3: Yeah. You know, there um, there is. Uh, when when a young person comes to me and says, you know, I have high morals, I have no idea what they're talking about compared to who?
2: Because it could be just based on culture. Right. It, like, well, I'm not sleeping around, so therefore I have great morals. right? But you could, you know, Jesus made it a heart issue. You know, he said, well, it's not about committing adultery. If you lust in your heart after a woman, you've committed adultery. So morals...
3: Yeah, I mean, wh- we, here, here's what happens. We do not want to uh, live our lives and say to people, you know what, I'm a bum. I, I don't want to go out there and say, I'm a bum. I do everything wrong. No, you know, I'm no good.
2: So, so shoot an arrow in the barn. And so, then...
3: <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever my life is doing right now, I draw the bullseye around it. You know, and, so, and then I go to you and I say, what a good boy am I? I mean, look at this. Yeah. Everything in my life works great. But on the inside, I know I put the bullseye around it. That's where I'm getting torn up. Our listeners that are listening today, on the outside of their lives, it may look like they're really good and they're hitting the mark, but here's the problem. On the inside, you know that you drew the bullseye around it, so mm-hmm. you're a miserable wretch. So explain the, uh, the difference between okay. ethics and morals. Basically, morals are something that shifts. The, the word morals comes from the, the root word in Latin, mores, which means shifting. And, and it changes with culture. Just take a look at television. The stuff that's on television today would be unacceptable in the 60s, mm-hmm. just totally unacceptable. All right. Why? Because it's shifted. So there's a difference in morals. It's acceptable what's on television to a culture. It's normal to a culture, but it's shifted. It wouldn't be normal or accepted 30 years ago. It just wouldn't be. So ethics is different. Ethics is uh, actually the, the, the root word is ethos, and it means animal stall. And, and the animal stall, to, to those that don't grasp this idea, is the safe place for the animal. Uh, you took care of horses for years here. The horse goes into the stall, and, and a horse, when it's out in the field, is, some, is an animal that's looking for someone to kill it and eat it. It's got ears that move all over listening. It's got eyes on the side of its head so it can see in front and back very quickly. Mm-hmm. It can run fast. It's ready to get out of danger. But when it goes into the stall... It's a safe place. And after it goes crazy for the oats and the food because it gets cared for in the stall, mm-hmm. it then can fall asleep. And it does because it's a safe place. See, ethos is a safe place where morals is a shifting place. And what has happened in our culture is that many of us have gone out and we have begun to live moral lives, not understanding that that's not a standard. It's, it's just where we're at as a culture mm-hmm. where God And his word work on ethos. When you go to God and he says something, it's a safe place. Just listen to this example. My wife and I have been married now 34 years. And we've never cheated on each other. And we actually enjoy being with each other. We love doing things together every day. We walk together. We do things. Now, what's interesting is that as a young man, I was taught, here's what marriage should be like. Okay, so now we have grown children. I've loved my wife. We don't throw dishes at each other. We work things out. We talk. You know, I I love marriage. I think it's one of the greatest institutions ever created. Mm -hmm. Now, what's interesting is I am finding out at my age that what God said was right. In other words, there's an ethos here from the very beginning. There's a safe place. You know what the safe place in marriage is? It's not about Dave Wager. It's about my wife. It's about my kid. You know, it's a safe place for my wife. It's not about her. It's about her husband and her... what we find is that God, in His Word, has said things that actually work. Mm-hmm. Now, now, years ago, I was a school teacher, and I remember talking to my principal, and my principal was saying, You oh, know, David, I know you know the Bible and you love God and all that stuff, but you've got to be careful. Uh, you know, we, there's a public school. Yeah. I said, Okay, let me tell you what the Bible says, and I want you to stop me when I get to the part that hurts the school. And, and I started to say, you know, about marriage and how it's supposed to be, how young people are supposed to be subject to the authorities in their life. And I, and I kept listing just a bunch of things, no stealing, no robbing, no cheating, you know, that kind of stuff. Yep. And, and, and I said, remember, stop me when I get to the part that hurts the school. And, and, and my principal just rolled his eyes like, you know, I, there's nothing that will hurt the school. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, because it's yeah. ethics I'm talking about here. We're not talking about morals. See, what, right now, if you go into the typical college classroom, and I've and looked at the research, college people typically cheat. It's what they do. Mm-hmm. They just want a grade. They want to get a good grade, and, they, and, and they've justified it. That's the norm. Well, it's wrong. Mm-hmm. That's not how we do it. Yeah. So, so there's a safe place out there. And by the way, if you're going to be a doctor and you're cheating on the test, please don't be my doctor. I yeah. mean, that's, that's just a thought. <laughs> yes. um, there's a safe place out there, and the safe place is where there's truth. And if, if we don't have a way to evaluate, this young man that went on a shooting spree that we're talking about, you know, basically uh, the isolation, the uh, input from all these ideas about what life should be like, obviously, yeah. I, I would just guess he was into pornography, into certain kind of movies, into, into certain kind of games, like, because you play that out eventually. Mm-hmm. And, and eventually, everyone else is to blame. Those things are all lies, by the way. And, and when you believe lies... The fruit of believing lies is a miserable life, and I would suggest that this young man was miserable, mm-hmm. and that he stayed miserable till his dying moment.
1: And you know, it's it's a very tragic story, and our thoughts and prayers are definitely with the families who have been impacted, absolutely, uh, because this is something that just doesn't go away. I mean, there's there are so many questions that will never be answered, so many whys, and one of the big questions that we often face in life is. If there is a good God, why does he allow this stuff to happen? Why do bad things happen to good people? And there's definitely an apologetical answer for that, and maybe we can touch on that when we come back. But I just want to invite you tonight, if you're feeling those things, if you're asking those same questions, you know, God, why do you allow this to happen? If you're really a good God, why would you allow this to happen to me? Go and chat with the live coach right now at Hopenet360.com. Find the answer you need. They're there. They're standing by, and they'd be glad to talk with you and listen to your story. Check that out, Hopenet360.com. We'll pick up this conversation when we come back here on Hopenet Radio.
0: If you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at Hopenet360.com. This is Hopenet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to the show. Jeff and DW, your host, the show where conversations
1: save lives. HopeNet Radio, glad to be with you guys tonight. Remember to email us anytime during the show at hope at hopenet360.com. And we would absolutely love you to be a part of the conversation as we're talking about some difficult things tonight, talking about some crossroads, the, the issue of should we do this? Must we do this? What are those things in our life? Um, this story of Elliot, the young man who uh, sadly impacted so many people's lives and in such a negative way. And tonight we really wanted to take this with sensitivity and realize it's not it's not about this young man and what he did. It's not glorifying his actions. And uh, we also want you to know that tonight if there's anything going on in life, you need to chat with somebody right now about stuff that's going on inside. Maybe you're hurting. Maybe you're feeling alone. Maybe you're feeling like nobody understands who you are. Chat with the live coach tonight at Hopenet360.com and uh, we would love for you guys to get connected and remember there's always hope. As we wrap up this conversation tonight in these last few moments together, uh, we really want to point to what things must we do So I shared this article a little bit ago about the shoulds in life and the musts in life and the difference being, according to this author, is that the shoulds in life are things that people expect us to do and go along with. This could be something that's in the church or not in the church. People have expectations of themselves and oftentimes we will put those things on other people. And we expect certain things from other people. And Dave, we talk about relationships, we talk about arrangements, and then we talk about real relationships and what those are. And a lot of our life is centered around our expectations of life. And when we don't get our way, then we sometimes take matters into our own hands and try to do things. And this is what we saw in this example out in California and this really tragic story uh, of a young man who started to take things into his own hands because life wasn't the way he expected it to be. So I want to know, Dave, are are there stories or anything we can go to in the Bible that talk about this crossroads of should we do this or must we do this?
3: Yeah, You know what? You you actually hit a very important word. So I want to ask you a quick question. Yeah. What is it? Why do we have expectations on somebody else? Well, because someone's had an expectation of us. Why? Why Why do I do that? Why would I have an expectation of you, Jeff? Why would I have that?
1: I think because there's it, – it has to do with the end result of fulfilling that action or that whatever you're doing – is going to impact you in either a positive or a negative way. It depends on who it is. But say a mom or dad who expects you to clean your room, right. that's a good thing. You know, there's, if there's an expectation of that, it's to show that you're tidy, that you're upkept, that you know, you're able to handle responsibility. That's a small responsibility. And so expectations you know go hand in hand with responsibility. Could, could it be,
3: though, that I expect my children to clean their room because I hate messy rooms? It's about me. It very well could be, yes. Yeah, could it be that I want my children to be uh, really nice and, and good students because it's all about me? My expectations are really for me.
1: It could be, but I think there's truth beyond just who okay. you are. And
3: could it be that I use the truth that's beyond to just satisfy me? Yes, you. you can. Okay. Now, I'm, the reason I'm playing with it, Jeff, is just because I think I think we have a hard time looking at truth. I mean, everyone does, mm-hmm. because Satan is really good at lies. And that's why we have to have a mechanism outside of ourselves. That—that's what I was talking about. You have to have a way to look at what you're doing to see if it's truthful or not. That's so, why I love HopeNet Hope, Hope 360. The live coaches go talk to them. They're neutral. Go talk to them. Mm-hmm. There's a way you can bounce things off and get ideas. Um, so
1: I'm I'm thinking, does when you said that a, a thought tricked in my head? It, does Satan, is Satan's job to take what's true? and put the focus on us, on oh, yeah.
3: me? Oh, yeah. I think so. In fact, Satan knows the Bible better probably than anybody in the world. He, he, he knows God, actually. He, mm-hmm. he knows him. He's seen him. You and I have not. And, and so it's not like he doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah. It, the thing is, he doesn't want to believe the truth. What, what Satan is doing is trying to uh, be somebody who reconstructs history. Mm-hmm. He's trying to be somebody who rewrites the story. Yeah. So that he's at the top of the pole. And, and that's what so often we do. Here's what's interesting. Jesus said this really in Luke 9. He said in the 23rd verse, he said, and, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me. In other words, if you're really a follower of me, if you really understand truth, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Now, that, that may sound like a mouthful to people, mm-hmm. but, but let me try and sort it out a little bit. What's really interesting, when Jesus was asked, and he knows about life because he created it. Mm-hmm. So when he was asked, what is Christianity? What is it? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. He told us two things. That was it. Now, if you were asked some religious guy today, he might hand you a list of rules. Yep. If you were back in the Jewish days, they might hand you the Talmud with you know all these rules. Yep. Why did Jesus just summarize it in two things? I mean, you know what? I, I'm so thankful for that because actually God gave me something that I actually could do, not something I can't do. I, I probably can't even memorize all the rules in the world. Yeah. But here's, here's what he said, love. He defined love when it comes to him as being obedient to him. So... Here's what I'm concluding from that. God who made me, made me a very specific way. He made me to obey him. Mm-hmm. And when I do that, I'm living in the context of the truth. All right. So, so things will work out. Yeah. And secondly, uh, it's like, okay, he also made me to look at you, Jeff, and to say in my head when I look at you or a young lady or my wife or whatever, and and ask, what do I need to do to make this person the best they can be? hmm now, regardless of what that cost me, reg- now, what's really interesting is when you live that way, when you live that way, you're living in the realm of the truth because God said that's the way he made us. That's the way we live. Mm-hmm. And when you live that way, you will be fulfilled. It's, it's amazing. It doesn't sound like it will be. It sounds, now, now, Satan then is going to get on the other side of this one. All right. He's going to say, no, no love isn't about the other person. It's about fulfilling your needs. Yes. And, and and what's gonna happen is we're gonna get to say, well, these people won't love. They won't fulfill my needs. People say that about God. Mm-hmm. He's not loving. He's not fulfilling my desires, my needs. That's not what love is. Yeah. And and so it's very important that we get into the realm of truth and try and figure out, okay, what is truth and am I am I living by that? And how much do I shade this by saying um to people like Todd, who I've mentored through the years, Todd, here's my expectation of you, but really it's because I'm mentoring you and I want a good little notch in my belt where people look at Todd and go, isn't Dave a great mentor? And, oh, by the way, I really want what's good for you too. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> those kinds of things. No, there, there should be a pure motive there. And, and here's what's interesting. I get to come to God and say, I'm a bum, God. I know that there are times where I'm just all about me and I could care less about the rest of the world. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, I know. Yeah. And with that, though, I can readjust everything I think because I understand that God loves me and really knows me. And all that I've ever done, I, there's no secrets. He loves me and wants restoration. I can listen to him. Does that make sense or is that weird?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And on the topic of um, mentoring, I was just talking to Jeff about this before we started. But I heard a quote not too long ago about mentoring. it just said, you know, mentoring is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. It's not about having it all together. It's about just, you know, growing together.
3: Right. Yeah. It's about having someone from the outside to look. I mean, right, you yeah. and I grow up with our, uh, you remember the story about the elephant? I mean, yeah. so yeah. many times what happens, if you've never seen an elephant, I take you to a zoo, I blindfold you, put you in the cage, put your face up against the elephant and say, here's an elephant. You <laughs> don't take the blindfold off. And, <laughs> yes. and you look at it and go, ah,
2: That's, you know, it's
3: pretty dark. And I ask you to describe
2: it. Really wrinkly and stinky. No, and
3: I really think this, that you need to have people outside of your perspective. Yeah. And that's why you find someone who's older that cares for you. And I always tell you, God is older than you and and loves you. He knows more than you. You can trust him. You find someone who loves God and you let them in your life. Mm -hmm. And you begin to work with seeing the world. When you have things like this young man that, that killed people, he should have been able to go to somebody and talk to him about these feelings that could have talked to him about getting aligned with truth rather than the lies and the deception that he believed because the lies and the deception always end up bad and that's badly sorry
1: again this is the fruit of living in a way that's not where God intended it to be and so tonight we want to invite you to become part of God's family If you're not sure who God is or you have questions about that, chat with a live coach right now at hopenet360.com. Click on the Talk to a Live Coach button, and they're there to chat with you and introduce you about who God is and to help you to get a right relationship with him because you can have a real relationship with God tonight. So check out hopenet360.com. We're going to take a break here on the show and wrap things up when we come back on HopeNet Radio.
0: Love Hope Net Radio? Stay in contact all week long at <laughs> hopenet360.com. This is Hope Net Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. It's Hope Net Radio with Jeff and DW, and Todd's in studio with us tonight.
1: And you can email us anytime, day or night on the podcast. At hope at hopenet360 dot com, or jump on Facebook and Twitter. Let us know your thoughts tonight as we're chatting. So we've been talking about some stories, some headlines that are going on uh, right now in our current culture. Things in life, a lot of things that we think in life are shoulds or are musts. We tend to view as the other way around. You know, just like I was talking about before, where if you climbed up on this barn and you were jumping around and you know, kind of partying up on top of a barn, and all of a sudden you lost your balance and you fell down, well. The should in that case was, should I jump up and down on top of a barn? You know, yes or no. It depends on your balance, I guess. I would think probably not. Not a very good idea. Uh, Or if you're on top of a ladder, same thing too because you fall down. And what ends up becoming a should moment all of a sudden becomes a must moment. And, uh, you know, whether you, you know, break your arm or you cut yourself open, you got to stop the bleeding, and uh, you know when bleeding happens, that that it becomes a must situation. There are so many times in our life where these little decisions kind of add up, and the more little decisions that we make in the wrong direction end up moving from a should I do this to more of a what must I do to make things better. And sometimes in life, and we talked about this before, Dave, but some of us tend to instead of dealing with the issue, we continue to kick the can further down the road, and we continue to make choices that harm us. And don't solve the problem, we end up doing things that only make the problem worse. So whether it's with alcohol or it's with drugs, um, with the wrong group of friends, maybe you're cutting tonight, maybe there are things going on in life that you can't deal with, so you don't. And so you find a way to self-medicate or to escape those things. And that's not going to make your life any better. Instead, it's going to kick that problem further down the road and make it that much more bigger. And it just keeps multiplying on top of itself until it becomes so unbearable that you get to the point where you feel Like, everything is hopeless. And tonight, I don't want to end on a hopeless note. There's a lot of hopeless situations in our world today. When we watch the news or we turn on our music or whatever, there's so many things that are out there that leave us in a hopeless state of mind. That's not why we do this show. We always do this show because we want you guys to know there is hope. There's always hope. There's never a point in your life where God cannot fix something that's going on in your world, but it may take some difficult steps to get there.
3: Yeah. You know, it's it's very important to understand in order to, to solve the issues that you might be facing of, of inadequacy and, and feeling like everyone else is gaining, but you're not and that kind of thing, is start to acknowledge the truth. I mean, when you said the story about, about people, you know, going on a barn and doing that kind of thing, I, I still remember there was a young boy once, he was eight years old he, he thought he could fl- climb up on the church roof, and he did, and he thought that was cool. Got his friends, climbed up again, and while he was up there, threw rocks down the, the, uh, the, the pipe and, and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And then came on the way down, fell, and broke his leg. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I thought, oh, man. You know, here's what I know about this boy. He did not do that intentionally. Yeah. You know, he just didn't know. And, 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 and he was being a typical boy. It's different if you would sit there and go, I was told not to go on the roof. I know that. I shouldn't. Mm-hmm. I, I was told not to drop stones down that pipe. I know, I you know. And then you do it anyway. Now, look, here's how you get better. You start living in reality. If you're somebody who actually will do what you know is wrong, if you'll actually do that, you need to admit, I will do what I know is wrong. You need to say that. And, and then go talk to somebody. Go, go to HopeNet360.com and talk to a live coach about it and say, you know what? I, I am one who actually will do things I should not do. Mm-hmm. I'm concerned about that. And, and you should be. Yeah. Because that's a different story than doing things out of ignorance. Mm-hmm. And, and yep. so I want to encourage you. The, the first step to really getting better, the first step that this young man who murdered a lot of people should have done is go to somebody and say, I feel like murdering people. I know I shouldn't do it, but, but I, that's what I feel like. And, yeah. and, and here's why. And talk to him. And I'm telling you, I wish he would have come and talked to me because I would have loved that discussion. I would have loved to turn him to truth. I would have loved to talk to him about God's love. I would have loved to talk to him about the way things were meant to be. And yeah. that's what you need if you're listening and you're feeling that way right now.
1: Yeah, you would have loved to have gotten him the help that he needs. Oh, absolutely. this is a young man who is very troubled. And it's it's not always – we don't arrive at this end result. There was a video that was posted within weeks of this tragedy that some people are arguing that it could have changed the outcome of what happened. It could have taken it away. I mean, there's always, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty on these things. Right. But again, if you're at that point where you're feeling overwhelmed and you're not able to make the right decision at this moment, this is one of those times where it's really important to reach out for help. And we want you to know it's not wrong to ask for help. It's okay to not be okay. We've said that on the show. And what that means is that if you're not, if you're not perfect, that's okay. If you're if you're feeling depressed, you're feeling down, or you're doubting what's going on in life. That's okay. But you can't stay there. You can't remain in there and you can't allow your decisions to be made based on how you feel in those moments, except that you reach out and find help and get the help that you do need, because that's one of those things that's going to help you through those tough times. Todd, I'd like to hear, we were talking kind of in the break, Robbie Zacharias. I, I know him, one of my favorite speakers. And uh, you were just kind of sharing some thoughts and some ideas, especially as we were kind of talking about this whole, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do, why do good things happen to bad people sort of thing? And the story that he shared. Um, it just really hit home with me because
2: a lot of people question like why do you know why does this happen why does that happen you know and really the fact that you know God uses everything and he sees the whole plan and we need to trust him how the story went was there was a farmer who lost his horse his horse got out ran away and his neighbor came to him and said you know what bad luck this is you know you lost your horse and um, the farmer said well what do I know about these things good or bad whatever and the horse ended up coming back and brought 20 more wild horses with him. And the neighbor came back and said, well, that wasn't bad luck. That was good luck. You know, you have 20 more horses. And the, the farmer said, well, what do I know of these things, you know, good or bad? It just kind of happened. And his son was trying to train one of the horses, and it ended up stepping on him. And he broke his leg, and the neighbor came back and said, you know, actually, this is bad luck. Your son broke his leg, you know. And the farmer said, oh, what do I know of these things, you know? And... Then there was a gang that was recruiting able-bodied young men that was coming by and they were going house to house and they came to their house and were going to recruit his son and said, ah, we can't take him. His leg is broken. So they went on to the next house. And then the guy neighbor came over to the farmer and said, you know, this is not actually bad luck. This is good luck. And the farmer said, you know, what do I know of these things? Mm -hmm. And so the moral of the story was that, you know, these things keep happening and, you know, for better or worse, God allows them and it's all – to conform us to the likeness of his son, to keep growing us. And we don't understand it, but God does see everything that's going to happen, and he's in control ultimately. And so I just thought that was a really um, yeah. relevant, really cool story. You know, you,
3: you need to know God. Yes. I mean, that's the truth of the matter. you got to see the bigger picture. You do. There's Remember the woman at the well in the Bible? Uh, for those of you who don't know, John chapter 4, there was this woman, and she was getting water, and, and the disciples were somewhere else, and Jesus walked up to her. And she was all f- frenzied about getting water and taking care of it. And Jesus asked her for a drink. And she she was puzzled by this. Why are you asking me? First, she was a Samaritan, which they didn't talk to normally. Secondly, she was a woman, which they didn't talk to normally. And Jesus broke the rules and was talking to her. And she, he really stirred her around. I mean, yeah, she was saying, yeah, you know, you want water? He goes, well, I can give you water that doesn't end. Now I'm confused. You know, yeah. now she's talking to him. At the end of the conversation, and you go read it in John chapter 4, basically what happened is, uh, she said, well, who is the Messiah? And he said, you're talking to him. And, and it was Jesus who could change her life. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? I, I want our listeners to hear that. This woman had all sorts of troubles. She really did. She had all sorts of different husbands. She, the one she was living with wasn't her husband. In her culture, she was an outcast. Things were not going well. I'm sure people talked about her in bad ways. I'm sure things were not going well. And Jesus said, the answer to your problem is me. Mm-hmm. I can I can solve this problem. And if you're listening today, I want you to understand something. Whatever the problem may be, the answer to the problem is understanding truth and relating to God. Mm-hmm. And and the answer is Jesus. And, and I just really invite you again, go to HopeNet360.com, talk to a live coach and talk to them about what you're thinking.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, there are a lot of voices in our world today, ones that will tell you what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing, what you must do, what you shouldn't do. And I'm not saying that our voice is any more valid or any more right or any more wrong than theirs are because we're not perfect, but we always want to point you to where the truth is. Because I think because there are so many different voices, there tends to be a lot of confusion. And tonight, we want to bring clarity to that. There is always hope tonight. So if you're struggling, make sure to make use of those live coaches at Hopenet360.com. They're there 24-7 around the clock and are live. And they're willing to listen to you, to encourage you, and to help you through whatever it is you're going through, especially if they can. They can help point you to some resources that will help you get the help that you need. So visit Hopenet360.com. For all of us here on the show, thanks so much for joining us. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes. You can on find- iTunes. HopeNet Radio there. Share it with your friends because we know it's not just for you. This is also for your friends and your classmates. And again, we really do believe that conversations do save lives. So we'll see you guys online and next week. See ya. Bye.